0: Well, good morning, New Life Church. We continue our sermon, this, our sermon series through uh, Matthew 23 this morning. Uh, just a quick announcement before we do that. If you have been trying to go onto our website, you may have noticed there are some technical issues there. Um, Google is doing some security um, things there at the moment, and they are migrating our site to, to another um, safer server, so um, you won't be able to access it through Google, but you can access our website through uh, Firefox or through Safari, and we will continue to upload the, the sermons there as well as the, the study guides, the home group study guides if you want to do those during the week or if you want to um, go onto the website to see any other information there. Uh, But please be aware that you'll only be accessed through uh, Safari or Firefox uh, for the next uh, few days. Um, Okay, so Matthew 23, um, last week we looked at verse 14 and 15 from our series, Hypocrisy and Grace, um, in here, Matthew chapter 23. Uh, We looked a little closer at the terrible sin of covetousness from Luke chapter 12, where Jesus described it as the leaven of the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples and to all of us, be on guard against covetousness. So today we continue our study through Matthew 23. We're going to be looking at verse 16 to verse 22, where Jesus pronounces more woes upon the Pharisees for their, their lack of integrity when it comes to telling the truth and and keep in their word. So if you'll read with me, we're going to read from verse 16 from Matthew chapter 22. So woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple, that has made the gold sacred? swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Let's pray before we study God's word together. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be here together this morning, Lord, and we can be found together corporately worshiping you openly, Lord, with our Bibles open without fear of any persecution. Thank you for this privilege and for this blessing. Father, we know that... um, The devil is not happy that we are gathering together to bring honor to you. And he will do everything he can to keep us from understanding your word and from being people of integrity, people who will display the precious and beautiful gospel of our Lord and Savior to a world who is lost in their sins. And Satan will do everything he can to even destroy our testimonies, Lord, so that we would be um, ineffective, in um, being able to, to share Christ as a testimony of His grace to the world around us. So we pray, Lord, please. We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the spiritual principalities and the powers out there, Lord. But we know, Father, that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We pray today, please, Lord, with Your Spirit, teach us we ask lord that your spirit would open our eyes he would open our hearts that these words would not fall to the ground this morning that they would fall onto the right soil lord the soil that is ready father the, the the heart of flesh this morning and that your spirit would do the work within us that we wouldn't just be going through the motions that we wouldn't be guilty of what the Pharisees were guilty of ritualism lord and moralism so we pray today please lord that you would show us father that there are these sins in our hearts that we need to repent of and that we keep making excuses for and that we would stop making these excuses, Lord, and we would make right with you, Father. Lord, we don't know how much time we have left on this earth and you've told us, Lord, that we need to number our days. Lord, we don't want to waste the time that we have on this earth. We want to make sure, Father, that they count for your glory every single day. So we pray, Lord, please. Teach us now, we ask your spirit to open our eyes to the truth of your scriptures. May we see the glorious gospel. May we see your glorious salvation that does save us from all of our sins this morning. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the title of my message today is Looking for Loopholes. So the definition of loopholes is a small mistake in an agreement or a contract that gives someone uh, the chance to avoid having to do something. So the word originally referred to those long and narrow openings in the walls of old castles, which allowed defenders to, to fire arrows or bullets at an enemy with the, r- the risk of the attacker's um, spears or arrows finding their way into the castles. So somehow, this concept attached itself to the existing word loophole. And it's easy to, to see why. The loopholes in the castle allow you to avoid and escape the the arrows. And so do the loopholes in a, a law or, or a contract. But in our context this morning, we are using the word to describe someone who always has a reason or an excuse to avoid doing something that they had promised. And we see that here, unfortunately, characterized by the Pharisees, the religious leaders in the days of Jesus. Um, They were always giving explanations and excuses as to why they would not keep their, their promises. And unfortunately, we all know someone like this, the person who makes promises, big promises, yet fails to deliver um, on his word. And I, what makes this portion of Scripture so sad is that these were the religious leaders who were guilty of perverting the truth. And they were guilty of twisting the word and breaking their promises. And they did so with a, with a veneer of of religion a facade of religion and not only did the pharisees break their word but they also did this under the disguise of spirituality and they were extremely deceitful and they played word games happily in order to avoid telling the truth and to avoid keeping their word and as a result the lord condemns them he pronounces these woes upon them And it really was just self-inflicted moral blindness. And the goal of this chapter is not for us to to sit back and and shake our heads and click our tongues at the despicable behavior of the the scribes and the false teachers that we see here in Matthew 23. 23. But rather the, the purpose is for us who profess Christ, to be reminded of the oil of the Pharisees that we all have inside of us. To be reminded especially of the dangers of lying. The dangers of lying. So my first point this morning is from verse 16 to verse 18. And I've called this section, Living with the loopholes. Living with the loopholes. So let me, read these, let me read these few verses in verse 16. Jesus pronounces this woe. Woe to you blind guides who say... If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. So we see two examples that the Lord gives us here about the gift that is on the altar and, of course, the, the altar itself. These Pharisees were, were swearing very specifically um, when it came to their word. But the Lord condemned these religious leaders here. He condemns them because they were, they were playing word games for the purpose of avoiding, evading their moral responsibilities to, to keep their word. And not only did they manipulate the truth, but they also helped others to avoid fulfilling their responsibilities. They, they created loopholes so that people didn't have to keep their, their word. And simply put, these Pharisees were, were liars. They were notorious promise breakers who made elaborate excuses to to justify themselves and to justify the reason they were not keeping their word. And one of the ways they did this was to say that as long as someone was not specific in making a vow, then they were under no obligation to fulfill it. And the Lord illustrates this for us in these two examples that He, that he uses here. And the first example is making a vow or swearing by the, the temple. They were swearing by the gold that covered the temple. And he was, of course, bound to fulfill this commitment. As long as you don't swear on the gold that's in the temple, but if you make a a vow or promise on the temple that's a little arbitrary, you don't have to keep that. Swearing by the gold was more specific than swearing by the, the temple itself. That's how the Pharisees argued so the more specific a man was, the more he was obliged to, to keep the, the vow. And the second loophole involved the, the altar itself that was there in the temple and upon the, which the sacrifices were, were made. And if the individual made an oath or he made a vow by the altar itself, the oath was optional. He didn't have to, he didn't have to keep that promise. But should he swear or make a vow by the sacrifice that was on the altar, then he had to keep his promise. The vow was compulsory. So you can see the word games here that the, that the Pharisees were, were playing and how they were creating these loopholes so that they didn't have to keep their, their promises. And the Pharisees invented this to, to give them a way to not keep and fulfill their promises. They taught that as long as you were not too specific, you were not bound by your, your word. So let me, let me frame this in contemporary language today, okay? Suppose on the day of the wedding, a hypothetical wedding here, the groom is asked if he promises to take his bride as his wife for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. And the bride is asked the same question, and of course, both consent. Now, it's a a general statement, isn't it? It's a fairly general statement for richer or for poorer. But let's assume that a few months into the marriage, the husband discovers just how poor his wife really is. He learns that she has absolutely no money. Can he suddenly object and say, Well, I didn't mean that poor. I didn't mean that poor. Can he argue that his commitment for richer or poorer wasn't specific? It was general? Now that he knows that she has absolutely nothing, is he no longer bound to keep his word because he didn't specifically say how poor she could be? Is that an acceptable loophole? Well, you might say, of course not. I hope you say that. That's... That is silly, isn't it? It's silly. But this is exactly the, the mindset and the practice and the teaching of the Pharisees that we see here in Matthew 23. They taught that it was only necessary to keep your word if you were specific in that oath, in that promise that you were making. And the problem with the hypocrites, the problem with these Pharisees was, was a conceptual problem. Their concept of what was most important really became blurred. This line between wrong and right became very blurred. And they were unable to discern the, just the simple moral judgments that were there in the Scriptures for them to see. Look at verse 16 there. Jesus says, Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. So the hypocrites were swearing by the temple as opposed to the gold of the temple. Now, there are two words translated temple in the New Testament. And the first refers to the temple building as a whole. And the word used here in Matthew 23 refers to the inner sanctuary. The inner sanctuary, the most holy of the holy places of the temple. Not just the building, but the inner sanctuary. So really, this gives us a whole new perspective to the the hypocrisy of the the Pharisees. The inner sanctuary was the place where the priests would meet with God. Only the high priest could, could go into the sanctuary. But the Pharisees did not view the meeting place with God as most important. For them, the gold was more important. The gold in the temple was more important than this holy place where the Shekinah glory of God was supposed to be, where the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be, where God himself and his glory was supposed to to be. That for them was of less value than the gold which was in the temple. Now, obviously, meeting with God is far more important than, than gold. But we see these religious leaders, they had lost the sight. They had blurred the lines of what was right and wrong, what was pleasing to God and what was not. And I think most important, they lost sight of the eternal. Instead, they were fixing their eyes on that which was temporal. The physical had taken priority over the eternal. And because they had lost sight of General spiritual principles, they insisted on the specifics. They started playing word games and twisting the truth. And they were incapable of keeping their promises because their their, their, their moral decisions had become blurred. And morally they had become blind. And the same principle is true of the second example. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. So we know the the God-ordained place of offering was far more important than the, the sacrifice itself. If there was no altar, there could not be a sacrifice. In fact, God condemned the people in the Old Testament because... Though they they made sacrifices, they did so at the the high places rather than at the the God-ordained temple. So they were making these little shrines all around the, the high mountains and the tops, which they weren't supposed to do. They were supposed to worship in the temple where God had told them to worship. So the sacrifice itself was important, of course, but it was far more important that the sacrifice be done the way God wanted it done. At the God ordained place of worship. But we see here the scribes and the Pharisees had made the animal more important than the the place. And the basic fault with the scribes and the Pharisees was their their, their dishonesty, their fundamental dishonesty. We see their dishonesty produced excuses, excuses after excuses. And they would rationalize their, their lies. They would rationalize their, their sinful behavior. They would, they would justify their, their sin. And someone has, has once said, the skin of the truth is filled with a, a lie. I suppose we could call that a half-truth, isn't it? A half-truth is a lie. And excuses were being made in order to avoid their responsibilities. Now, this is a this is not unique to the Pharisees. We go back all the way to Genesis and we see there, right in the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve making excuses for their sins. Oh Lord, it wasn't me, it was this woman. It was the woman that you gave me. In fact, it was your fault that I sinned, Lord. Making excuses, not taking responsibilities looking for loopholes. And we see it coming out here in the the moral conduct of the the Pharisees themselves as well. My second point this morning is from verse 19 to verse 22. And now the Lord teaches us a lesson here. He teaches us what is right and wrong. A lesson from the Lord. The moral blindness was unfortunately only a, a symptom The essence of the problem was not moral, but spiritual. They were spiritually corrupt people. They appeared to be righteous, but inward they were rotting corpses. They were not right with God. And Jesus made this clear in his condemnation. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it and by everything on it. Verse 21, whoever swears by the temple, swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. So now the Lord is using this to teach his disciples. And the lesson is whoever swears by the altar or by the sacrifice, or by the temple, or by God, or even if you swear on your grandmother's grave, it doesn't matter. The one who reigns above expects us to keep our promises. He expects us to keep our promises. Even if you have crossed your fingers and put them behind your back, we cannot be looking for loopholes when it comes to living a Christian life. You know, the reason the Pharisees were always wriggling out of their promises was because they were spiritually blind. They had lost sight of the, the character of God. They had a conscious problem. Their conscience was, was seared. And this led to their conceptual problem. Their moral blindness flowed from their spiritual blindness. If you think about it, Why? You know, why do some people and even some denominations and even local churches, why do they debate whether adultery is a sin? I mean, why do they debate whether pornography is a sin? I mean, why is there a big debate about homosexuality? Because of the spiritual blindness that is creeping into so-called religion. People lose sight of the the holiness of God. They lose sight for their their need for personal holiness. And they start to make excuses for their sins. And moral blindness begins to show when, when we cannot make basic moral judgments between what is right and what is wrong. It's evidence that there is a spiritual blindness there. And we see it right here. In the conduct of the Pharisees, even though outwardly they pretended to be religious, they were spiritually blind. This spiritual blindness should should not take us by surprise. Paul, writing to Timothy and to the church that he pastored, spoke about it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you would turn there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 4. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were were no different. When people lose sight of who God is, when they lose sight that God is sovereign, that he has all authority and he has all wisdom, when they lose sight of God's holiness, then they start to manipulate his words, just like Paul warned us of here. They start to manipulate the word of God. And if we cannot tell the difference between truth and a lie, then there's a problem. There's a spiritual problem. If we are looking for loopholes simply because the specifics are not clearly defined, it is an indication that we have lost our spiritual sight. By the way, it's certainly possible for a believer to, to lose their focus. It's certainly possible for us to lose our, our spiritual sight for a time, for a period. And Peter spoke about this in his letter. Look at Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter one. In verse four, Peter tells us that in Jesus Christ, he says, "We have been given precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." Look at verse five, "For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Peter's telling us, be intentional. Be intentional. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Then he says in verse 8, for if these qualities are yours, And are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So folks, please hear me this morning. This admonition is not just for the Pharisees here. In Matthew 23, it's for every single one of us who claim to be a Christian. We stand to be tempted with the same moral blindness that the Pharisees were tempted with. We can lose our sight. And become nearsighted like the Pharisees were. We can become blind to to the truth that we once believed for a period. When we start to make excuses for our sins. Third point, living without loopholes. And many of the Pharisees quite literally taught that God would partner in someone's dishonesty, if the vow was not too specific. So they would say, it's okay, God understands, don't worry. God God won't hold you accountable. But of course, this type of moral blindness invited God's judgment. And God is a God of truth and He, He demands the truth. And He demands truth in our lives, in our hearts, in our external and the internal. And we have no right to look for loopholes and play loose and fast with the, the truth of God's word. Our commitments are binding and we cannot expect God to bless dishonesty. Now consider just a few scriptures, a few examples of God's demand for truth this morning as we come to a conclusion Exodus chapter 20 verse 7 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Leviticus 19 verse 12 says, You shall not steal nor deal falsely nor lie to one another. Numbers chapter 30, verse 2 says, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all, the pro- that all that proceeds out of his mouth. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 and 5. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 16 These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. And then Ephesians 4 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And if we live each moment, In the knowledge that God is with us, and that He sees all that we are doing, it will make a massive difference in how we make and how we keep our promises, isn't it? God sees us. He knows us. He sees us when we make our marriage vow inside a church building. And God sees us when we make a, a parent dedication inside a church building. And he sees us when we make a church membership covenant with each other and with with God himself inside the church building. But he also sees us once we leave the building. He's not confined just to these four walls, folks. He sees us throughout the rest of our lives. And he expects us to keep our promises. In other words, if God is more than just a just a doctrine, if God is more than just some academic understanding, then our lives have to be showing that in our conduct, in our behavior. We must live in light of God's holiness. We need to live in light of God's omniscience. We need to live in light of God's omnipresence. I want us just to go a bit deeper in our application before we we end this morning. what does it mean to to live a life without loopholes? What does it mean to live a life without loopholes? Well, it means that for one, we will be keepers of our word. When we say we will do something, we we will do it. Our yes will be yes, our no will be no. We will not look for ways of escape, nor we will break our word because we know it will cost us something and the person We've made the promise to it. It will cost them something as well. I believe many Christians cheat themselves out of blessings because they do not perform their vows as David proclaimed in Psalm 56. You know how many times people have come to you and promised they would do something and they won't do it and eventually you just don't believe them anymore. You don't believe them anymore. The character starts to show. We cannot always be looking for loopholes so that we have an excuse or a reason to behave badly. I remember someone in India who professed to be a Christian, came to church, took communion, got baptized, and he was trying to argue with me that it's okay to drink wine and to be drunk. And his argument was, well, Jesus drank wine, and because Jesus drank wine, I'm going to enjoy lots of wine. That's looking for loopholes, folks. That's looking for for loopholes. We need to keep the vows we made to God when we gave our lives to God. We didn't just give a portion of our life to God. Oh God, I didn't give you that part of my life. I didn't give you that part of my life. I gave you just some part of my life. Pla- looking for loopholes, folks. We need to be faithful to the vows that we made to our spouses when we, when we got married. You know, sadly, divorce statistics among professing Christians is not very different from the divorce rates amongst those who make no profession to the Christian faith. And that's sad, isn't it? That's sad. That's a terrible indictment. You know, sometimes Christian husbands declare, yes, I, yes, I understand what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. Yes, I understand it, but you don't know my wife. You see, my situation is different. I know that I promise to love her till death do us part, but God understands that, that, I, that I can't. Does he? Does God understand that? Ephesians 5 is a general statement under which all the specifics fall, folks. God understands that. He doesn't understand the, the loophole that you're looking for. I don't read any exceptions here. Back to Ephesians 5. Let me, let me go to the wife's side here. Wives, submit to your to your own husbands as to the Lord. A wife might argue, yes, I know that is generally true. I know that when I married him, I made a covenant to submit to him, but you don't understand how stubborn my husband is. Many wives reason that, though they made the promise, God would understand because their husbands are just unbearable. Maybe their husbands are unbearable. But I assure you, God does not understand your disobedience. There are no excuses here. There are no exceptions here in the scriptures. You made a promise, and God expects you to keep that promise. We cannot be people who break our word or our vows when when we feel like it, when the going gets tough. We need to be faithful. At our work, when we go to school, when we're at home. Let me turn our attention to to children here for a moment. Again in Ephesians chapter 6. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Well, that, That means that we need to raise our children to fear the Lord. We're not to raise our children to be moral Pharisees, folks. We don't want our children to be blind morally. We want them to be godly. And the only way they're going to be godly is seeing that, that we are not Pharisees ourselves as parents. That we don't say one thing and then we do another thing. Our children will obey us when they see us obeying the Scriptures. We make it easier for our children to understand that The word of God is our authority when we submit to the authority of God's word without looking for the loopholes. And when we fail to make sure that we humble ourselves and go to our children and ask for forgiveness. And we go to our spouse and we we ask for forgiveness. Do you really think that That your situation is an exception. I know that I should not marry an unbeliever. But you don't understand. I love this man. I love this woman so much. I know what the Bible says, but this is an exception for me. Yes? No. There are no exceptions, folks. Sure, you might love that person. But God has spoken. God has spoken. How can any parent or how can any pastor bless a marriage that God has spoken against? We need to guard against the temptation to to trivialize the person of God. God is omnipresent, and He sees us even when we are not aware of His presence. We must never take that lightly. He hears our promises and He expects us to keep them. Now that's not a threatening statement. I'm not trying to, to threaten you this morning. It's a wonderful statement, folks. It's a wonderful statement. God heard us make the promise. And He promises us the grace that we need to keep the promises. Yes, your marriage may be difficult, Yes, your situation may be difficult, but God will give you the grace that you need to endure. He will give you the grace that you need to be a person of integrity, to respond right in a difficult situation. You don't need to look for the loopholes. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. He will give us the grace to fulfill our marriage commitments. He will give us the grace to fulfill our vocational commitments. He will give us the grace we need to fulfill our relational commitments, our ministry commitments, our church commitments. I know we're busy, folks. I fully understand that. But God gives us the grace to keep all of our biblical commitments. I know people will find an excuse if they want an excuse there's always a loophole folks but that's not how a christian is to live that's how a pharisee lives that's how someone who is morally blind and spiritually blind lives but if we as christians need to display the glory of god in the way that we live in the way that we think in the way that we act, in the way that we respond. We need to trust that God's grace is sufficient. We need to trust that God is sovereign and that He is in control. We don't have to manipulate our word or manipulate the situation in order to solve the problem. God is in control. God has got this, folks. And we need to trust Him And keep our word, And to acknowledge our failures. And to acknowledge our limitations. But we need to be people who reflect the integrity of our holy, holy God. That is the only way that we are going to be effective in this world, folks. This is the only way that our lights are going to shine. It's if we don't have the same statistics that the world has. That we love our spouses differently than the world loves. That we live differently than the world lives. Because we love Christ. Because He is our sufficiency. Because He is everything that we desire. And everything that we want. And we find our joy in Him. May God add His blessings to the Word. And may He add blessings to our lives. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we reflect this morning on your word, we do pray, Lord, please give us the grace we need, Lord, to humbly come to you this morning and to admit that we are indeed sinners, that we need a saviour, May we humbly be preaching the gospel to ourselves every minute of the day. Lord, if there are unbelievers here this morning, this may have sounded a very strange message, a very confusing message. Pray, Father, that you would help the truth, help them to understand the truth of your word. That they would see, Father, that they, they are people who stand condemned without a holy God as their mediator. Father, we ask the Spirit of God that you would save the lost amongst us this morning for your glory. Help them to see they need a Savior. We cannot do this on our own. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of this sin is death. Please, Lord, grant grace and forgiveness this morning to those who need to be saved. Father, I pray for those who are Christians amongst us, those who have made a profession of faith in Christ. Father, that they would reflect this morning and examine their own hearts this morning to see whether they are right with you, whether their lives do display the the integrity and the holiness of God, that their lives are different from the world around us, that we're not trying to be conformed to the world, but we're trying to be transformed by your word to be more like your son, Jesus. Father, please, Lord, help us not to live for the world. But help us to live for you. Forgive us, Lord, where we have failed and we have all failed, Lord. We have all tried to please man. We've all tried to impress somebody rather than you. We've all had this this moral blindness at some point in our lives. We've all lost sight, Lord, at some point. Please, Lord, we ask for your grace that you would continue to cleanse us from our sins. Thank you for that wonderful promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Lord, we want to be people who are effective We want to be people who are fruitful when it comes to your kingdom, Father. We know we cannot do this if we are morally blind. So we pray, Lord, do your work amongst us for your glory and for the joy of your people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.